0: welcome to the wait
1: wait No. No. hold
0: on a second i'm sorry (laughs) normally i do the intro and then i'll i'll talk to introduce the guest so if you just wait one second sir Uh,
1: okay Um,
0: wait a minute is that seth
1: welcome to the dad's off duty podcast we are your hosts Jason Katie, and Seth Michaels. I feel like I have to introduce you first right now because you've been, uh, really, how do I put this? The only person working on the show the last like month and a half or so. So you've really held down the fort without me. Um, it's accurate. <laughs> so I have to introduce you first there, but I am back from my hiatus. Um, and you know what? Uh, everything is delicious.
0: Ooh, that's a, that's a good word. I like the optimism. I, I like the positive attitude you're bringing already off the bat, Seth.
1: You know what? It's It's been... <laughs> we're going to get into it. It's been kind of a rough month. It really has. But there are things that are positive that have happened and that are, can kind of have a positive outlook. We're going to talk about that. But before I talk about that, Jason, I have something to share with you. And you know that I'm like this really big history buff, right? I do. Yeah, huge history buff. I'm aware. You know that out of all of the inventions of the last 100 years, I would say that the dry erase board probably has to be the most remarkable.
0: (laughs) Well done, man. You're you're officially back now. <laughs> Sorry if I was a little distracted. It's because my my wife has been staring through the window ever since it started to snow. I think it's any worse. I'll have to let her in. I like that. You can laugh. Nobody can see the visual of you just chuckling silently.
1: You you didn't hear my laugh. I was laughing like. Uh, the microphone there was sound. Up. Com- oh! <laughs>
0: we do not rehearse this.
1: No. So I would have almost believed you, believed you, if I didn't see you sitting in your basement. So, like, if if you were just like recording that like nonchalantly or something, if it was to me and I didn't see you in your basement, um I would be like, yeah, I believe that. Or it makes it doubly worse because your wife is like laying on the ground outside peering through a small basement window just like, let me in! Husband of the year. That's what I heard on that uh, husband-wife episode. Spectacular, by the way. She did amazing.
0: Thank you. I, I would also like to, right off the bat, thank the guest hosts that I've had over the last month or so It's been uh, a great experiment. I've loved chatting with some new folks and getting some different perspectives. I'd like to thank my wife, Julie. I'd like to thank Jordan. And, of course, recurring guest host, JV. Thank you very much for all your help and assistance, ladies, lady and gentlemen. Much appreciated.
1: Yeah, uh, seriously, you guys um, and Gal are absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for helping us out. I want to talk a little bit kind of about what's happened to me the last month and a half or so. Kind of before I went on hiatus, I was kind of going through some stuff mentally. On December 18th, I had my second hip surgery in the last up to that point last basically 5 months. So over a 5-month span, I had two hip surgeries. And for those of you who don't know, having surgery on a part of your body like a hip or a knee or something that you're gonna be out for a really long time is really hard on your family, on your spouse, on your children. And kind of leading up to that last, this last hip surgery that I had in December, it was hard on me mentally because I just put my wife through having to deal with the kids and stuff basically all by herself. I had just done it and it was really hard on both of us um not only because she was the one doing everything but i had to be sitting there and watch her do everything and just there's nothing i could have done about it um and it was hard for me and and i didn't realize this was happening it's kind of more of like a retrospective thing as i look back on it it was happening to come out where i was getting pretty depressed going into december it's going to be december kids are going to be playing with their toys you know um Christmas is coming. I'm not gonna be able to do anything with the kids during Christmas, and I was just having a really difficult time accepting that I'm gonna be out of everything again for another basically three months so that's kind of where i that's kind of where my headspace was leading into December, and this is also really the first time Jason's hearing about this so
0: yeah, and I was going to say, uh, the fact that you've, and, and to clarify, this was your, your other hip, right? This wasn't the same hip you, hip you were getting surgery on.
1: Yeah, so I've had hip surgery on my my left hip I had done in, um, in July. So I had my left hip done in July, but that was the second time I had hip surgery on my left hip. So I had it done two years prior to that. Um, on my left hip. And then I had it done again in July. And then I had basically the same surgery done on my right side in July.
0: Yeah. So I can understand the, de- you know, the depression setting in, uh, in December, because you've gone through this, like you've said, already once, actually twice before. So you already knew going in like to the surgery, what the next week, you know, month was gonna, uh, what was going to be like. So, Yeah, I can, I I can totally get that. I've had a few surgeries myself, but you know, nothing to the extent that you've had. And the fact that, like you said, you have small children in the house, it'd be one thing if it was just you and your wife and it was like, Hey, I'm going to be laid up and it's your hip. It's not like it's your arm or something like you can't even walk around in, you know, maximum comfort.
1: Yeah. I was literally for the first month, I'm literally stuck on the couch pretty much. Like I get up to go to the bathroom uh with my crutches and stuff. I get up to like go to bed and but otherwise I can't carry anything because I'm using crutches, you know? Like I can't even go get myself a glass of water and bring it back to my sitting spot on the couch. So I was basically completely dependent on the wife or stuff. I was basically plugged into an ice machine for the whole whole first month. Just constantly icing my hip. Um, couldn't sit up. Can't sit at the dinner table. Kids can't jump around on you or anything like that. Uh, just in general, very difficult.
0: Your bedroom's upstairs, right? Did, yep. Are you even able to climb stairs?
1: Yeah, I'm very proficient with crutches. <laughs> okay. Very proficient, and I, I have something called Ehlers Danlos syndrome or hypermobility joint disorder. And for anybody who has this disease, uh, you might be able to understand a little bit, but basically my joints are really springy and flexible. And what happens is my, because of that, the cartilage and other ligaments surrounding my joints take more wear because my joints are moving in their sockets more than they should. And over time, it just, it wears everything down. And I basically played every sport of manageable up until high school, and I pretty much wrecked my body. And so I'm just kind of, you know, uh, out of Mm -hmm. luck. I have a couple of other things going on, but just really crappy. And then beyond that, this is the worst part (laughs) about this last month. So I woke up from surgery, and it was like a four-ish hour surgery. Woke up from surgery. And my tooth hurt so bad. I had, like, a toothache. Mm. Like, I didn't have a toothache before the surgery, but when I woke up, I had a toothache. And it was going on, kind of, and I was like, this is just, it's not getting better. This is getting worse. So I went in, they're like, okay, we'll give you some antibiotics or whatever. You know, you might have an infection down there. So I took antibiotics. Nothing's getting better. and then. I went into the dentist, they took x-rays or whatever. And this is all while still being like completely laid up. So I'm miserable to begin with. And they do x-rays and they're like, oh yeah, you're having an infection. I'm like, yeah, we know that. You found that out last time. I'm like, oh, it's really bad. It got worse. With antibiotics? So I had an antibiotic resistant infection in underneath my back molar uh, that spread to the one behind it. So while all this is happening, while I have I've had hip surgery and stuff, I had to go in and get two teeth removed. Um, Because the infection and pain was so bad and I'm not condoning this behavior to other people, but I was on narcotics, obviously, for reasons, hip pain and tooth pain, so on and so forth. And it with that and all of the other medication, it still wasn't strong enough. I was doing that and drinking beer because I I couldn't do it. Like, I couldn't sleep. I hadn't slept in two days. I was like, I I need to do something. So to deal with the pain, and that's when I knew I had to, like, really go in because the pain was so bad. I hadn't slept for two days beyond everything else. I'm like, I need to he- sleep to heal. So went in, you know, got everything taken care of now. but. I'm down two back molars on my bottom side, um, just local anesthetic. So they didn't put me out for it or anything, which is just so weird.
0: Well, in the midst of all this, you're going into surgery, which can be scary enough, but in these times, how was it different this time around, uh, with everything? I'm sure the protocols were up to the max. Did you notice anything crazy or out of the ordinary?
1: Um, I wouldn't say, like, crazy or out of the ordinary. The tough thing was, like, finding... So, scheduling the surgery was harder because there aren't as many, like, surgery beds available. Um, yeah, yeah, because more people are going through stuff. And I completely understand that. Uh, but Jennifer wasn't allowed to, you know... I was only allowed one person to be in the like visitor's room or whatever. Like you couldn't have anybody else there. It's just like one person um that could be there. Uh basically the person that's giving you the ride. But they were extra precautious, like, you know, prepping me for the surgery and stuff. And th- something that they did that they hadn't done for my previous surgeries, like my shoulder and my first hip one. Was that they gave me, they did like chest x rays and they did um, like an EKG and they did um, electrocardiogram for those who aren't familiar with what that is. Um, basically, it, it determining it does your heart work like it should. Because one of the things that COVID does is it, it can mess with your, you know, cardiovascular system. You're, they have to check that. So there was. There was it was a bigger process pre surgery. Like there were, I had to get a bunch of like blood tests done, and then also before, right before the surgery, you had to take a COVID test, and then you have to quarantine yourself for the like three days or whatever pre surgery. Oh
0: man, you are you are walking calamity, Coyote. Yeah,
1: dude. It's molars, been,
0: hips. It, what else, man? Jeez.
1: Uh, well, like I said, right, right shoulder done. I'll probably have my left one done. My back is all messed up, but I, I'm not here just to just complain. Okay, so you got something to say? I'm sorry.
0: I was just gonna say it, it sounds like you're on the road to recovery. Um, you're about what five months or five weeks out? Uh, post surgery now. Um, yeah. are you doing physical therapy of any kind yet, or is that too soon? Or
1: yeah, no. Uh, it's, it's, you start for this type of surgery cuz it's pretty like non-invasive uh but I started physical therapy about 2 weeks out of surgery so like the first week of January I started physical therapy so that's that's going pretty well and when my disposition really started to take a turn really in the last few days is I've gotten clearance to walk around my house so I'm now able to walk and I can walk upstairs and I can do so many things that I wasn't able to do before, you know, even small house chores and stuff. So my mood lately, even with all of the crud that I'm going through, has just been sky high um, as as I kind of turn the corner in recovery and um, try and really get it done, you know.
0: That's great. I mean, are you, are you at the point yet where you're already noticing better mobility or, or certain things now that you were maybe getting really hurt from or it was troubling for you? That oh, are you seeing any relief yet or yeah, is that too soon? Yeah,
1: for sure. Um, I, I am seeing a lot of relief, and my uh, how far like my leg moves is significantly better than it was pre surgery.
0: So the Kama Sutra is going to be starting up in the spring then?
1: It already started, Thanks, brother. Right oh. I'm just kidding. One note on that. So I, <laughs> I, I have to say something here is. That is something that is really difficult to do post hip surgery.
0: Like, Are we talking like putting your ankle behind your head? What, what are we talking
1: no, about? No, no, no. I mean, just it. Just sex.
0: Oh, oh, oh. We're going there. Okay.
1: Yeah. I I just have to mention, it's really painful. You can't stiffen your legs up or anything like that. You can't because you're... Yeah. It just feels like someone's sticking a hot poker in your leg. So, pretty difficult, you know. Um, But we manage. It happens. That's the important thing.
0: Well, I was going to say, I mean, I know we're all thinking... We're imagining you having sex right now because you're telling this very vivid story. I'm just imagining you laying in bed like a, you know, limp noodle laying there just like, okay, do your thing. I'm just going to let me know when you're done.
1: No, I'm I'm not like that. No. Okay. I got to be part of the action.
0: Yeah, well, you've sat out long enough here. That's right. Welcome back, Seth
1: um yeah you know what it is it feels really good to be back and in front of um the camera in this case with you and the microphone and i I, during this time i also took a step away from my other podcast as well and this time away just kind of let me collect my thoughts and everything and uh yeah it's just wonderful missed you guys how about you jason anything new and exciting going on that you already haven't told the listeners, because I mean you've obviously been talking to them, but anything else
0: man i i'd love I'd love to t- I don't want to just say nothing's going on that's That's not very fun for a podcast, but let's be honest, we're in the dead of winter here in the midwest. Oh, dude yeah um, w- what is there to do right now? Everything's shut down mm-hmm. in a few in about a week, uh, we can resume indoor dining in this state, which has got a lot of people excited. Not me necessarily. It's not yeah, going to change I, my life, but I, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> my uh, my youngest daughter has gone back to in person preschool uh, this uh, week. Was the first week since November. She's been at home doing Zoom. So Zoom calls for a four year old preschool class you can only imagine.
1: That's weird. Getting done. So how does okay our preschool does the video their sessions or whatever, and then we get to play the video sessions later. It's not a live call. So how do Zoom calls for a four-year-old work? Can you take me through that?
0: I would be happy to. So, uh, on this Zoom call is usually between, I would say, eight to 14 kids. Um, (laughs) And... It starts out usually with a welcome song, so they all sing a song together, and it's similar to the song they sing in class, so they already know it. You know, it's Can you like. A, a song um, for us? um, sure. Uh, Natalie's here today, and there's clapping, but I'm not gonna clap because I don't want to blow anybody's eardrums out. But Natalie's here today. Natalie's here today. Let's all clap our hands and say "hip hip hooray!" Good morning, Natalie, and then go through all the kids. And then usually, um, once we do all the introductions, there's usually a, a game of some sort. Sometimes uh, they roll a dice, and then depending on what the dice roll is, maybe it's in a fitness day. So a, a one dice roll means they have to do frog jumps. A three means they got to do some jumping jacks, etc. Sometimes they do scavenger hunts. So, hey, Natalie, it's your turn. You've got to go find something red. And then they got to run around the house and find something red. And I just basically dodge getting in view of the camera because I'm usually in one of my sweatpants and um, maybe maybe a shirt, maybe not. Depending on how kinky I'm feeling that day.
1: Have you witnessed any parents like making faux pas, you know, on video or whatever in the background?
0: One, one thing and it was actually not a during a class, it was like a, during a parent conference with the teacher. So she had all the parents on a zoom call, just, um, going through some stuff. And there was a couple that was basically getting the third base right on the zoom call. Um, the husband came up from behind the the mom who was sitting in front of the computer on the couch, reached his hand down her shirt, under her shirt and basically copped some feels. And there was some kissing going on in places that, Probably should not have been on a Zoom call with a bunch of strangers. Um, yeah, that was that was the most faux pas thing I saw. I was wondering where I put my credit card information in to continue watching.
1: Do you take PayPal?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, after some sort of game, there's usually... Honestly, after the game or activity of some sort, then there's a goodbye song. And that's pretty much it. The whole class lasts about 20 minutes. And, you know, every kid gets a turn doing something. They usually have to talk to the camera, practice unmuting and say something to the class. But that's essentially what it was for about two months.
1: That sounds terrible.
0: That's pretty much all you can do for a four-year-old. But four-year-old liked it. But she's really happy now to be going back in in person. And I'm happy because it gets me out of the house doing something because I have the driver. And that's sometimes the highlight of my day.
1: Well, there you go. Well, see, now, at least on Wednesdays, you'll have me to talk to again. Um, and, you know, the other thing that you and I do together every Wednesday night is have a drink.
0: Is it that time?
1: I think it's that time. What time is it? Cocktail
0: All right, man. Hey, you are the returning guest, as I've done with all my guest hosts. Seth, please take us through what you're drinking tonight.
1: Yeah, man, absolutely. Um, You guys are in for a special treat tonight. Because my phone is going off right now. I don't need to talk to you, Mom. Sorry.
0: Your your car warranty is about to expire.
1: (laughs) Oh, God. I can't get away from those calls. And they always call from, like, a random local number. I'm like, oh, who's this? Damn it! Fell for it again. Apples. So so today I am drinking Diet Starts Tomorrow, and it is a chocolate oatmeal stout. And it's got a really fat kitty cat on the label, which is great. Chocolate oatmeal start stout. So I'm sure it's got, you know, just an insane amount of calories per bottle. Uh, 6.3% alcohol, so that's a pretty decent, pretty decent uh, alcohol value for a beer. But if you were to know me, like really know me, there's one thing I dislike, and it's chocolate. Oh. Uh oh. <laughs> I dislike chocolate. So I, for my first day back, and okay, full disclosure here, this beer was supposed to be a gift. For somebody for Christmas And what happened was My kid picked up the The present or whatever Because it was sitting under the tree And was like walking it over And he's like open? Open? This is my two year old by the way And then dropped it and went uh oh And one of the bottles broke He dropped it from like Seven inches off the ground And one of the bottles broke Regardless so we got to keep the beer because I wasn't going to give my brother-in-law, you know, five bottles of beer. Well,
0: <laughs> oh, I assume the gift was for me, but OK.
1: I see. Yeah. Um, you haven't gotten yours yet. No, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But
0: damn USPS.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely not a huge fan of chocolate. So I'm going to go ahead and, and take a drink of this and I'll let you guys know. Remember, chocolate oatmeal star- stout. Diet starts tomorrow. This is usually a pretty full-bodied beer. Um, you, you can really... You, you almost kind of have to chew it in your mouth a little bit. It, it's really full. So give me just a moment. I'll taste it. Yeah.
0: So it's a pretty risky risky pick for your first one back, considering you do not like chocolate.
1: You know what? Let me uh move it around You'd in my chew- mouth a little bit.
0: It look like you're chewing it. Are you chewing it?
1: Basically, it yeah, you gotta, you gotta kind of get the mouth feel everywhere. And I said oh. it, mouth feel. Get it mm. nice and moist. Ugh. But you're welcome. It is yeah. terrible. It's <laughs> real bad.
0: <laughs> well, that's the second stout on this podcast that has going to be negatively reviewed. Because if you yeah. remember, um, I've tr- I have tried a stout a couple weeks back at uh, the behest of my former co-host, JV. I was not a fan. So, so you're not a fan of this chocolate diet starts tomorrow?
1: No. You know what? I'd imagine that if somebody were to, you know, like chocolate and like breakfast foods in their beer, you might enjoy this. I'm not one of those people. One and a half stars. Go ahead, Jason. Take it away.
0: Oh, that was very succinct and fast. Mine will not be quick. I'm sorry. I've got a full page of notes here. Jesus. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm up in the game, man. All right. Drink today. Oh, by the way, in case, Seth, you may not have been listening for the last month. But in January, and I'm not sure when this is going to come out, but we're recording in January. I've been uh, reviewing the classics. So uh, for my final classic drink of the month, I am going to try the. Wait for it. Martini. Here you go.
1: It looks like water, Jason. I don't believe you.
0: Well, it's it's not. Um. (laughs) The history of the martini can easily be traced back to the late 19th century. You're going to want to pay attention because I'm going to throw some history at you.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm here for it.
0: Um, you know, late 19th century, that was when it was first consumed and then uh, listed in the bartending manuals. The first time the drink appeared in a manual was in 1887. And the bartender, uh, name of Jerry Thomas, he worked in a hotel bar in San Francisco. So, what was going on in San Francisco in the late 1800s? Seth.
1: In the late 1800s or the mid 1800s?
0: Yeah. Well, mid mid-eight mid-late
1: 1860s 1870s. The gold rush. The Atta second boy. gold rush
0: actually. All right, we're we're going to come to that in a second. So, um like a lot of the classics I've been reviewing this this uh, this month The story behind a lot of these classic cocktails is very murky at best. There's tales that are told that maybe are true and maybe are not. History was a long time ago, and things change over time as stories are told. So much like the Martini. Um, But the story goes that in the 1860s, uh, there was a uh, group of travelers heading to a bar um, in the nearby city of Martinez. And the, the history there says that a the guy there was celebrating, finding some gold, and wanted to get a celebratory drink, something new. The bartender made what is a martini for him. Um, what he had on hand was fortified wine, which is basically vermouth, and gin. And then he had a couple other things like bitters and maraschinos. So he called that uh, the Martinez. And he gave that recipe, E being the gold rusher that tried it, to a bartender in San Francisco because he loved it so much.
1: Question, just to make sure that I got the, the gist of a martini right, it's mostly gin, right?
0: It's mostly gin. I'm going to go through so, a couple. There's a lot of variations.
1: So you yes. stick a pine tree in the bottle and then you pour a little vermouth on it. That's, That's how it works. Well,
0: you're getting ahead of me, but yes, that's essentially what okay. it is. Okay,
1: sorry. You, you can you continue. I'll listen. I'm sorry. I interrupted, like usual. You're good.
0: You're good. So so the, the history goes back and forth between, well, the city of Martinez says that they invented the martini, but the city of San Francisco says, no, 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 it was invented by a bartender here because we're better than this little city of Martinez. Nobody gives a fuck about Martinez. So anyway, a name martini. Where does that come from? Well, there is an Italian sweet vermouth produced in 1863 that was called Martini and Rossi. So people would say at the time, I'll have a gin and martini shortening the name of that vermouth, which eventually got shortened to just gin martini and then martini. Um, so fast forwarding a bit now in the 1950s and 60s, the martini continued to gain popularity. Uh, the three martini lunch was something that was done by a lot of executives, and business people. Um, the early recipes of a martini show that it was a 50-50 blend of gin to vermouth. So what you just said about the uh, pine tree with a little bit of vermouth, that didn't come until much later. At at the beginning, it was a 50-50 split. But then over time, the gin percentage has increased over the years. Now, there's a lot of different variations of martini, like I said. So a dry martini, which is kind of the one I'm going to have here today. Uh, It has less vermouth or gin. Um, A dirty martini has olive brine in it. A James Bond martini, who, you know, James Bond made the martini very famous. Uh, What he had is a Vesper version, which actually has vodka in it as well, as well as gin And then uh, Kina Lillet Vermouth, that's a particular brand that 007 liked. A kangaroo martini is just a vodka martini, so no gin, just vodka with vermouth. And then if you say, I want it with a twist, lemon peel. Now, 007 always had a phrase for his martini, Seth. Would you like to enlighten us?
1: Taken, not stirred.
0: Very good, Sean. Yes. Um, however, the way that 007 liked it was actually the wrong way. The way that most bartenders hate making a martini because they claim that the best way to enjoy a martini is to stir it. And that's what I did tonight. So how I made my martini, I did the classic version. But first, I chilled a martini glass in a freezer for a while because you really want this drink super duper cold. In a mixing glass, two and a half ounces of gin, and only a half an ounce of dry vermouth. So that's a pretty ginny ratio. Seth, I'm not sure if you would like this. Um I also added I a dash. Mind, of
1: I don't mind gin really. It's just, you know, um I prefer American gins because they're a little bit more citrusy, so it's not I don't I don't like traditional gin, but
0: it's funny you mention that. The, uh it's a great lead in because I don't either. But the the recipe that I followed is I added a dash of orange bitters because I did want a little bit of that citrus um, just to break up that gin flavor because, um, So that's what I added to a mixing glass. I added ice cubes and then stirred for about 15 to 20 seconds and strained into a a martini glass. So I'm going to give this a shot. Oh, I did put a lemon peel in there or a lemon twist, should I say. Uh, Pictures on the Instagram
1: beautiful
0: it's piney man it's piney i used a uh, bombay gin by the way
1: oh i'm uh, sorry
0: so that's a london gin the bitters really helps because i can taste the orange that helps break it up um man it's it's growing on me a little bit it's it's not bad i mean you either like a martini or you don't i don't know. I don't drink a ton of martinis. And nowadays there's so many different variations as well. There's apple teenies, there's mochatinis, mocha chocolate, yata teenies. But here's the classic dry gin martini. I'm gonna give this one a three out of five. It's it's pretty good. It'll get you drunk. That's for damn sure.
1: That's quite a bit of alcohol. <laughs> um now I don't know if you had this in your notes, but uh, there was a version of the martini uh, that was made in the twenties during Prohibition. I'm pretty sure. I think it was. Uh, but if you if you made it wrong, it basically it it made the drinker blind. So there's was
0: there was there some sort of like absinthe in it or something?
1: Um, it's just you know uh, people. You know, if you don't make the alcohol right, or you don't make it in, like, a clean environment, and it kind of comes about with some extra stuff in it, you know, like an old bathtub or something. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) And and that bathtub is, like, lined with
0: lead or something, you know? And uh... (laughs) But drinking lead, that's just so we're clear. No good?
1: Yeah, lead lead and gin, not great. But... Little bit of extra. I'd have to double. Don't quote me on that. I'd have to double check my history knowledge on that one. But I think that sounds right to me.
0: I would like to see an uns or hear an uncensored. Um, no. What What's your history uncensored podcast? I'd like an episode on just cocktails in general or liquor drinks. Something.
1: Oh, dude, I'm in.
0: Okay, I'll we guess.
1: I'll Yeah, saying, we can do it together. Dude, uh, yeah, yeah, look forward to that episode airing in the next sometime. 18 years. (laughs) A a couple of other things that uh, I wanted to talk about after you hit your three-star dry martini drink. Uh, Because sometimes, at the end of the day, we need to drink to kind of heal from what happened. Other times, we play video games. And... Hmm. I've been playing video games with my son. So my uh, kid's four years old and he's really kind of become interested in video games. It started on his tablet. He has a Amazon tablet and he's been playing those rush games or whatever where you flick the character side to side and collect coins and whatnot.
0: Uh, okay. Yeah, but yeah. I follow.
1: Yeah. He's been playing those and then he's been watching me play games. And then for Christmas, I got uh, Mario Kart. For Christmas. And he's like, I I I want to play Mario Kart with you. Sure, absolutely. Let's let's do it. So we played Mario Kart. And of course he was really bad to begin with. But by the end of that first week, he had not against me, but he had won his first race.
0: <laughs> Disclaimer. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like legit. From the week when he started, like to the end of that week playing, we were doing, I mean, we were only on fifty CC. But still, a four-year-old beat... Well, he, he was racing my wife. He was racing Jennifer. He beat Jennifer and the rest of the AI characters. You know, I was like, that's incredible. Legit. legit. Like, he legit beat them.
0: That's awesome, man. Hey, that's, that's great. Yeah. So you got uh, Mario Kart for the Switch. We're, we're going to have to hook up here because we have that as well.
1: Oh, that sounds fantastic.
0: Katie's in the Michaels, man. It's on.
1: Yeah, he um, he generally places now he's usually between like seven and four. That's you. That's where he usually finishes races. But every once in a while, like he'll just get in the groove of the steering and just nail it. And then.
0: Yeah, my daughter is into it as well. I recently found out, though, that there's a a thing you can toggle on that basically allows them to play the game without having to hold a button to uh, do the gas. So they basically just go. All they have to worry about is steering. So that oh, really, really? Because, yeah. So there, there's some setting in the game that you can. I forget what it's called, but it's basically the gas pedal is always on, and you just oh. have to steer.
1: So nice. So yeah, I didn't know that he's doing the the gas pedal thing, but and the the shooting. He's good at the shooting too. Like he he gets the whole thing. He gets the the question mark boxes, and he 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 gets how to shoot a green shell and to wait for the moment to try and get somebody and stuff. Um, yeah. He, my,
0: so I have two girls and we've it. been pretty much playing animal crossing. So that's the kind of game that they're into right now. And, uh, for the life of me, I I'm trying to play it too, but it's just, I just don't get the game. I don't really understand the point. You just, you, you make a house and then you go chop down trees and buy stuff to furnish your house and talk to people and that's about it it's as far sims. as I can tell
1: it's sims light man
0: that's a yeah that's a good way of putting it it's sims light so but the sims kids really Lite. love playing it
1: yeah sims light for kids that's how yeah. I think of it so um,
0: but now, but actually my oldest just recently got back into uh, there's a Steven universe switch game which is basically like an RPG uh, type game so oh cool um, that's, that's been a lot of fun playing that with her. Of course, you know, she calls dear old dad when she needs help with the boss fights. So, you know, flexible yeah. <laughs> Take care of it. You walk in,
1: rip your sleeves off. <laughs> <laughs> so there's definitely one other thing that I wanted to share tonight. And I told, uh, because I go to physical therapy a lot for all of my, many problems one of um one of my like the receptionist person at my physical therapist office shared this story with me so i'm gonna share it with you guys because i thought it was really funny and i'm sure there are people out there that can relate to it her friend's kid and i don't know if it's actually her friend's kid but her friend's kid will say Saw his mom, and he was only two years old-ish, saw his mom get out of the shower naked, and he goes up to the mom and he says, Mom, where did your pee-pee go? (laughs) And the mom goes, looks down and says, I don't know, I must have lost it. Because it was like the first thing that she thought of, and then for for the next two to three hours the kid would just, little boy, would just walk around and pick things up. Pee-pee? Pee-pee? Are you under here? Pee-pee? Where are you? Pee-pee?
0: <laughs> I, just thought what it was, is that,
1: I just thought it was really funny, and you know, we can all relate to that moment when a, the kid asks you a question that you're not completely prepared for, and it, I just had to share a really funny moment in, so, shout out to you at my physical therapist office.
0: Well, um, along that same uh, line there, a couple, maybe a year or so ago, my youngest, who was probably at the time three, walked in when I was getting into the shower and just like looked at me and pointed right at it, and started laughing. I'd love to say that was the first time that's ever happened, but... Sadly, no. But it's like, oh man, well I had to like have a talk with her about it, right? I don't know. I, I what's the right what's the protocol there? I don't know. But like basically the discussion was we don't laugh at other people and their bodies and et cetera, et cetera. Which I'm sure for a three-year-old it went right over her head, but stop making fun of me, man. So it's cold the, in that room.
1: The right <laughs> The right thing to do is to pants her and then laugh at her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's great dad advice.
0: <laughs> God, this is not the dad advice episode. Woo boy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, don't do that. But great to be back. Oh, I let's not get off the whole bathroom topic. As your kids were, let's say, like potty training and stuff. um, or like as a dad at home by yourself. I don't remember if I've asked you this. Do you keep the door open when you're going to the bathroom?
0: No. Or did you never. when the,
1: the girls were younger?
0: Never. I've never done that. The, even if I'm home alone, bedroom, the bathroom door is closed. I Nobody needs to see me doing that. I don't care if you're married to me or you're my spawn. What I do in there <clears throat> is only for me.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree 100%, but right now, our four-year-old is having a hard time, like, he just, like, goes into the bathroom, door wide open, just does his thing. I'm like, oh, yeah. dude, you need to remember to close the door. And he's like, okay, and then the next time he goes in, and he just-
0: No, I mean, my oldest is six, and she still goes with the door open. I mean, unless we have company over, she knows, but... If it's just us four at home, no, nobody's nobody but me closes the door. Oh, it's a oh, girlfriend or really? what?
1: Yeah. Now, yeah, but my wife didn't at first either. I was like, close the door. But now because she didn't do it at first, the kids will walk in on her as she's going to the bathroom after she closes the door.
0: I, I shouldn't say that. Sometimes my, my wife does close the door sometimes. But um, yeah, you're right. I guess. In the earlier days when the kids were younger, they used to come in quite often while we were going to the bathroom. But it's it's kind of stopped now because they don't, I don't know, they're a little bit older now and they, they can figure it out themselves. You know, whatever problem they have, because they only have problems yeah. when you're sitting down doing a, doing a duker.
1: Um, trying to get that little bit of alone time to yourself, you know, and that's when they have the problem.
0: A candy's not going to crush itself, man.
1: Now The other funny thing about So we live in an old house Real old And so the Lock to our bathroom door Is like one of those old school Latch locks So it's like got the hook in it Yeah, Yeah, super old school So obviously We never do the lock Or whatever, unless people are over But my wife has this tendency of not closing the door all the way. Like, because, again, old house, so sometimes it doesn't latch unless you really push it closed. So she'll kind of swing the door, and it won't close. But pretty much every time she goes to the bathroom downstairs, our cat walks into the bathroom. I wonder if that's where our kids are learning it from. Like, every time. For just the one cat pushes the door open. It's so weird.
0: Well, cats are spawns of Satan, so it's quite possible. <laughs> It's all connected.
1: I guess we're going to have to wait to do the football talk for next week. My first episode back.
0: I think it was a success, man.
1: Yeah, it was great. You guys got to hear me, you know, complain and hear a little bit about what I've been going through this last, you know, month plus, but.
0: Well, I'm just glad we're back on brand because it wasn't regular dad's off duty without you complaining about something. So we're back officially
1: (laughs) complaining about everything. Yeah, no, uh, for sure. And uh, we'll, we'll have some extra surprises for you guys kind of in the the coming weeks, but in the meantime, don't forget to check out all of our social media, you know, pages. Don't forget to check out uh, Jason, Jason, who's killing it on Instagram check out look at and like our facebook page we'd really appreciate that as well as give us a five star review on apple podcast
0: yeah if- we we have gotten a few five star reviews which we really appreciate um please if you're listening to the podcast and you enjoy it uh, it really does help if you go and all jokes aside if you go there and give us five stars we'd really appreciate it and i'll blow you a kiss and I get so. to
1: see him do it, which is even better.
0: Yeah, I use a lot of tongue, so.
1: <laughs> My shirt might be off. Now, <laughs> that just, sorry, that was too far. No, You have but, hairy
0: nipples, and it's just really awkward, but anyway, go ahead. What were you going to say?
1: I, how did you, never mind. <laughs> Regardless. Seth Michaels here, joined with Jason Cady here for another episode of Dads Off Duty. It's been wonderful to be back. I hope you guys have a wonderful time. And And do your thing, guys. Uh, Love your wives, love your children, and uh, stay off duty.